0: boundaries. What are they? Why are they important? And how do they apply at work? So all of your burning questions about boundaries will be answered today. Because listen, I am a boundary guru. Let's jump in. Hi, I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Welcome to the Pursue What Matters podcast, where we focus on what it takes to thrive in love and work. Oh, today we're going to talk about boundaries and I'm telling you, I feel like I've spent over half my life talking about the importance of boundaries because they really are that important. And honestly, I probably have spent over half my life talking about boundaries. Um, They're one of the single most important principles of healthy living and managing relationships well. And they are important in every relationship that we have. So what I hope to convey to you today is why we need boundaries in every single relationship we have, whether this is at home, whether this is with our children, whether this is with our friends, and certainly at work. So of course, we want to help you pursue what matters. We want to think about how you can strengthen your leadership, whether that's um, leading a team of one, whether that's leading yourself, whether that's leading a small group, whether that's leading a large organization boundaries are the name of the game it makes the work so much more effective and efficient and productive they are that important so let's go ahead and learn the ins and outs of boundaries and you know we're going to talk about why They're so important, what they are and then how, (laughs) how to set good boundaries, what those look like um, so that you can really do your best work. So of course, every week, my goal is to help you pursue what matters and to really help you develop the confidence to lead. And so with that, when we think about boundaries, you know, this this topic really helps you to um, lead a community, right? So leading with a community because you're not meant to lead alone. You are leading people, you're leading with a community and boundaries help you do that more effectively. And of course, it, this is also about curiosity and self-awareness because when we have difficulty with boundaries, we really need to lean into self-awareness and try to get curious about what's getting in the way. Because often when boundaries become an issue, It's usually something in our own history or there's something within the other person that's pulling at us that, you know, makes it a little bit more difficult for us to maybe set a boundary or to keep a boundary. And so, you know, primarily we want to help you strengthen your confidence to lead in the areas of curiosity, which is all about self-awareness. And then, of course, community, which is... Um, leading others and building a community. So leading a community and building a community. So those are the two primary areas I really want to help you um, strengthen your confidence to lead. Okay, so I am not talking about physical fences or walls. There's certainly been enough talk of that in the world we live in. But symbolically, yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. So when we think about boundaries, they are those fences, and sometimes maybe they are walls that we have in place between us and others and so a super simple guide to knowing the difference between healthy boundaries and unhealthy boundaries is um You know, is one that comes to his compliments of Mark Manson. And so this is um, from his website. I will link to it in the show notes because I think it's it's a simple way to think about boundaries, but it's useful that most of us can relate to. So he says, you know, healthy boundaries equal taking responsibility for your own actions and emotions while not taking responsibility for the actions or emotions of others. And so, of course, you know, this is a very common basic understanding of boundaries, but I like the way that um, Mark framed that. And so when we think about healthy personal boundaries, it is taking personal responsibility for your own actions and emotions. And I would also say your own thoughts while refusing, that's my language, while refusing to take responsibility for the actions or the emotions or the thoughts, that's my addition, of others. And so that's what we think about as boundaries. And so, you know, sometimes you need to have that fence in place. Sometimes you need to have that wall in place. And so... Think for just a moment about all of the ways that we run afoul of this guidance. We do it all the time. So we have those individuals who take too much responsibility for the actions and emotions of others. So, you know, you might think of these people as the caretakers. Um, you know, maybe they're the micromanagers. Maybe they're the approval seekers, they're taking way too much responsibility for the actions and emotions of others. There may be the mind readers. They're trying to figure out what is the other person thinking? Um, Boy, that person looked sad. It must mean something about me. And so these individuals do not have good boundaries because they're taking on too much responsibility for the actions, the emotions, and the thoughts of other people. And then on the other side of that continuum, we have got the individuals who expect others to take too much responsibility for their actions and emotions. So they expect other people to take care of them. They expect people to manage their emotions, to manage their thoughts, to take responsibility for them. And so, you know, a simple way to kind of think about this is we've got the givers and the takers. And um, unfortunately, these individuals often end up in relationships together because initially in a relationship, it works out really nicely, right? You've got a giver who's like all too, all too ready to take on um, too much responsibility. And then, you know, that works out really nicely for the one who expects the other person to take responsibility. But of course, this is a very dysfunctional dynamic. And so over time, it becomes disastrous and it falls apart and you know there's there's nothing effective about that. So that's what I want you to think about as we frame this discussion of boundaries. So healthy personal boundaries, taking responsibility for your own actions, emotions and thoughts while refusing So that's what I mean by boundary. It is a firm line, refusing to take responsibility for the actions, emotions, or thoughts of others. So there's a clear line, a clear separation there. So boundaries are essential for effective functioning in every single relationship we have. Now, this is a really important point, and I think this is where most people get boundaries dead wrong. They can see the value of boundaries in, you know, work relationships, right? Like, so most people recognize the value of having a good boundary with, say, your boss, or with colleagues, or, you know, with your neighbors, you know, that sort of thing. But I think where most people get boundaries wrong is that they don't understand the value of boundaries in their closest relationships. And so I'm going to repeat what I just said, and that is that boundaries are essential for effective functioning in every single relationship we have every single relationship we have. And so that goes for, you know, parent-child relationship, that goes for friendships, that goes for sibling um, relationships, that goes for partner relationships. So husband, wife, um, partner relationships, all of those. Um, and that's, you know, when, when I talk about boundaries, that one, that last one about partners, like, I don't need boundaries with my partner. And I said, yeah, you do, because there have there has to be a separation between you and the other person. And I will I will talk a little bit more about why, in just a minute. But the point is that boundaries make relationships safer. If you have no separation between you and the other person, it's very easy to lose yourself in the relationship. And so in order to be in a relationship with another person, and this is anyone, so you can apply this to any relationship, we need to have a marker that separates us from the other. And boundaries do that. Boundaries separate one from the other for the purpose of preserving the self. And we've got to be able to retain our own separate identity in a relationship. And so the question that is asked when we think about boundaries is where do I end and where do you begin? Another way of asking that is who am I separate from you? And in order to have a healthy relationship, you have got to be able to answer that question who am I separate from you? And if there is no separation, there is no health in the relationship. And so boundaries help us to preserve our identity. Boundaries help us to preserve our opinion. Boundaries help us to preserve our values. And boundaries help us to preserve our perspective. And boundaries are all about the integration of the self. Okay? And so when we think about a relationship, Right. In order for a relationship to be healthy and effective, there needs to be integration. Right. So, you know, uh, a couple, or you know, uh, you know, friends, that sort of thing. Like they need to have bonding. They need to have integration. But in order to be healthy, they also need to have separation. There needs to be integration, but there also needs to be complementarity. There needs to be um, separate. Views, perspectives, identities in order for the relationship to thrive. And if we don't have both, we end up in a very dysfunctional relationship. Okay. And so some of the ways that that shows up when there's not um, a clear boundary, when there's not separation, when there's not healthy separation is we get codependence, we get enmeshment, um, we can get isolation. We can get avoidant attachment. We can get anxious attachment. We can get all the fun psychobabbly terms, right? And I could keep going. I could go on all day, which I will not. I will save you from all the psychobabble terms. But the, the point is that Boundaries clearly mark the separation of one person from another, and they set the rules for interaction. Boundaries help us to know what is and is not acceptable in the relationship. So they make relationships safer because they set the expectations. And this in turn increases safety for vulnerability and trust. And so in a very real way, knowing what to expect in the relationship frees you up to actually go deeper in that relationship so that you can have more vulnerability, you can have more trust in the relationship. And of course, this is absolutely applicable when it comes to work. So of course, I do a lot of work with teams around Um, the research of Brene Brown and the Dare to Lead curriculum and all of her courage-building research. And of course, from her research, and then of course, the excellent research based on the Aristotle project from Google, right? When you look at what makes the most effective teams and the most productive, successful, efficient, productive teams, right, with the highest return on investment, what you find is that those teams, it doesn't, you don't have to have the smartest people in the room. You don't have to have the best mix of skills. You have to have psychological safety. And so, Boundaries help, right? They're not the only factor, but boundaries help create a foundation of psychological safety, which in turn increases that ability to create vulnerability and trust, okay? So it is it sets the foundation for psychological safety on work teams, in marriages, in families, In organizations, it creates, you know, if we think about this with in an organization, it creates a powerful culture where courage is encouraged, right? Where um, daring greatly is the norm, where asking for help is encouraged, where being a learner is encouraged. And so, good boundaries set the expectations, the rules for engagement. Um, they also, you know, good boundaries are also completely about personal accountability. So, right, if we go back to um, the basic guideline that I talked about at the top of the podcast, which is taking a personal responsibility for your actions, emotions, and thoughts, boundaries always call us back to our own work, to our own responsibility. And so boundaries really help us stay out of finger pointing. Boundaries help us stay out of judging and blaming and shaming, which of course becomes so toxic um, in any setting. But you know, especially if we think about work teams. And of course, those things absolutely erode psychological safety. And so boundaries um, set up rules of engagement that make teams safer and really free teams up to be more creative, more innovative, more effective, productive, and more successful all the way around. And so again, The questions are, who am I separate from you? Um, What am I responsible for versus what are you responsible for? Think about how powerful and how helpful that question alone can be in work settings and in team settings and how often teams fall apart around this question of responsibility Well, whose job was that? (laughs) They should have known how to do this. You should have known how to do this. So many teams fall apart around this question of responsibility, around this question of finger pointing. Okay, what do I need that is separate from you? Right? And this is a really great question around accountability. And I think especially for leaders, who, you know, when you're looking at your role as a leader, and especially if you are leading other people, you know, what your people need from you will vary, you know, some people will need a lot of guidance, other people will not need much guidance from you. And of course, I just did a podcast on finding that sweet spot of accountability. But being able to have these conversations about, you know, what do I need that is separate from you? Um, and really learning to speak to those needs and having honest conversations about those. And that, you know, when you can start to look at those needs without it being an indictment of the other person, that can be really powerful and it can free everyone up to actually start getting their needs met um, and 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 it doesn't have to be an indictment of leaders. It doesn't have to be an indictment of the culture. It can be a simple discussion of, hey, I need a little more support or I need some online learning opportunities and c- do you think you can help support me in that? And it could be a really productive conversation. So when we think about boundaries, they can be physical, they can be emotional, they can be psychological. And so I want you to kind of think about that as we go through our discussion that there are different there are different aspects of boundaries, right? So if you think about physical, there are some, there are some um, community. So, right, if we think about work settings, if we think about families, that they're more touchy. Right now, in a post-COVID world, none of us are very touchy <laughs> these days, even if you know, even if we would prefer to be, but respecting those boundaries are really very, very important. And respecting, you know, so an example of this is, you know, you might be someone who's very comfortable with physical touch um, and, you know, like inappropriate ways, but you may have a colleague who whose physical boundaries are very different and they may not be comfortable with physical touch. And so, you need to respect those boundaries. If they are not comfortable with physical touch, you need to respect that boundary and that the boundary is relative to the person you are in a relationship with. And so you can't just say, well, hey, I'm just a touchy feely person and I don't mean anything wrong with it. And that person just has to deal with it. No, you need to learn to respect that person's boundaries and don't Um, don't personalize it because the individual's physical boundaries are different from yours. Um, And then of course, emotional boundaries. So some people, you know, they wear their emotions on their sleeves and there's nothing wrong with that. I think sometimes how this can show up at work is that, you know, if you have someone that might wear their emotions on their sleeves and so they might get a little, um they might get a little more emotional when they are talking about an issue. Sometimes that can be labeled. Um, sometimes that can be judged. Um, and you know, like, Oh, like you're out of control or you need to pull yourself together. And, you know, like, that's not, that's not appropriate. Um, but also recognizing that sometimes, right. Sometimes you do, Sometimes you need to also have a boundary around your emotions because the effectiveness of your message may be getting lost if your emotions get in the way. So we want to be mindful of that as well. Um, and so just recognizing that, you know, those boundaries, can show up in several different ways um, in the work setting. The next point is that, of course, our boundaries vary. So boundaries may be more rigid or diffuse, and that is gonna really depend on who we are in relationship with. So for instance, you may have more diffuse boundaries with individuals you're very close to, But the point is you still need boundaries with everyone you are in relationship with. So, for instance, you know, I have pretty diffuse boundaries with my sisters, but I still have boundaries with them. Um, I have pretty diffuse boundaries with my uh, spouse by virtue of my closeness and trust with him, but I still have boundaries with him. And of course, every relationship must have boundaries in order to be functional. Uh, the next point is that boundaries may change based on behavior and probably should change based on behavior, right? So boundaries operate on a feedback loop, um, and that is the best way to think about boundaries. So if someone breaks trust with you, your boundaries should probably become more rigid with that individual based on that behavior. So, you know, of course, from Maya Angelou, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. So pay attention to someone's behavior. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, people don't make mistakes and that, um, you know, that you don't have a forgiving heart or anything like that, but you need boundaries for a reason. And so you want to pay attention. And, you know, the thing that I always say about, about when you know someone you know maybe breaks trust that sort of thing is believe their words and watch their actions um so you know like we we want to we want to give them the benefit of the doubt but we are trained we have our eyes trained on their actions and if their words don't line up with their actions we are going to default to their actions because of course, actions speak louder than words. And um, so, right, rebuilding trust may lead to more diffuse boundaries over time. But when there's been a breach in trust, it's very appropriate that those boundaries should become more rigid um, as a result of that behavior. So, right, like if we think about this In terms of a work situation, right? If you have an employee that, so this is, you know, this is just kind of a low level example, but if you have an employee that's chronically late um, with reports, you're doing them a disservice to not increase structure, to not increase the boundary with that individual, because what they are communicating is that they need more structure in order to be successful. Every system is perfectly designed for the results it's getting. Okay. And so if you have an individual who's chronically late on their reports, right, and you don't address what's going on, then how can you expect different results? And so, um, you need to be willing to increase the structure to help that employee um, get different results. And then, of course, right, if you if you get that behavior change in line, then you can shift to more diffuse boundaries over time if that seems appropriate. But every system is perfectly designed for the results it's getting, whether that's... Um, ineffective results or effective results. And so as a leader, you really need to be paying attention to that. And you've got to be willing to adjust those boundaries over time and pay attention to that feedback loop. Okay. So now why do boundaries matter? You can definitely tell that I feel pretty darn strongly about boundaries. So boundaries ensure identity development. And, you know, I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty important human endeavor. <laughs> so boundaries help set a good foundation for healthy development across time so it sets the foundation for good mental health boundaries also help us to avoid burnout right so it helps us to um, to have sustainable behaviors over time and so more generally you know the consequence of not setting healthy boundaries often includes stress financial burdens, wasted time, relationship issues, right? In one word, drama. When we don't set good boundaries, we have a world of drama. And of course, that can create all sorts of mental distress. So a lack of healthy boundaries can negatively affect Every single aspect of your life, whether that's your work life, whether that's your home life, it impacts functioning in so many ways. This is part of why I guess I've spent my whole life or half my life at least talking about the importance of boundaries and why they matter. So they also help us to develop autonomy to be able to say okay right like where do where do i end and where do you begin boundaries help us with decision making boundaries help us to determine what who we are right so that's the identity piece and what we believe boundaries in a very real way help us to be self Determined. And that is so, so very important. Boundaries also help us to live to purpose, to take responsibility for our lives, to make choices, to have agency, to say, I am going to choose this over that, and to see the consequences of those choices in our lives. These are powerful lessons. um, And we get those lessons as we set and keep boundaries in our lives boundaries also really matter because they help us set the foundation for self-care. So, and that's really because, you know, especially in our work or in our personal relationships, poor boundaries lead to resentment, anger, and burnout. And so one of the very first signs that you need to you need to hold a boundary or a boundary has been crossed is you feel resentment. So, we'll talk about that a little bit more but um, boundaries really support your foundation of self-care because it helps you to avoid a whole host of dramas in your life and in a very real way, helps you to take good care of yourself. And boy, isn't that important. Okay, so now hopefully I've made a good case to you for, you know, what boundaries are and why they are so important, both at work and at home in every single relationship. And now let's move to some solutions. So this is where we really want to think about how, right? Like, how do you set boundaries and really give you some application so you can pursue what matters, And so the first solution, so solution one, is I want to help you recognize when a boundary is being violated. And this is a big one for all of us. It's really important to be able to recognize when one of your boundaries has been crossed. So let me first give you some examples of some boundaries. I know I've, you know, shared a few as we've gone along, but one um, example might be teachers who keep their professional lives separate from their personal lives, right? that That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. Um, teachers not taking responsibility for every aspect of their students' lives, you know, that sort of thing. Um, as a psychologist, right, in my clinical work, I um, keep... A lot of separation from my clinical work and my personal life. That's by design. There's some very, very important reasons for that. Um, Friends, right? So limiting contact with those friends who might drain you dry emotionally or financially or physically. Uh, colleagues. So maybe you have a colleague who you need to respond to only via email because you know that he will take up an hour of your time that you just don't have. Um, maybe, maybe you have that colleague who you avoid when you see them in the hall or, you know, when you see, um, her caller ID on your phone, you're like, oh, I'm just going to let that go to uh, voicemail. So these are examples of boundary issues, right? Um, Maybe you have um, a daughter who keeps an online journal or a regular journal and respecting her privacy and not reading it. I can't tell you how many Um, how many teenagers I have worked with over the years, whose parents have read their journals. And that is um, such a violation, such a violation of privacy. So um, now, on the other hand, so, you know, this example of the online journal, so, okay, First of all, the example of all the teenagers with their journals over the years and the parents reading them, that's actually very true. I've seen that so many times, and that's a big violation. But then my daughter has an online journal. She She's a writer, and she loves to write, and we absolutely respect her privacy. And when she started her journal, she said, I don't want you to read it. It's for me, and I want my privacy. And so, we've absolutely respected that and we don't, of course, read that at all. Um, And that's a really important boundary. And that's a boundary that she set. And we, as you know, her family members can absolutely respect that and respect that boundary. So now on the other hand, Our kids know that their phones are owned by us and that they are on loan to them and that we will be monitoring all of their text messages and everything that is happening on their phones. And so that is um, an example that privacy is not an expectation on their phones. And they know that we will be looking at those phones whenever we darn well please. And we do. So, you know, if we were to hop on, um, one of the phones, we don't even call them their phones because they know that they're not their phones. Um, you know, no one cries foul. No one says, you're violating my privacy. You're violating my boundary because the expectation is they have zero privacy on those phones because those phones are owned by us. Those The conditions by which they get to borrow those phones is with the expectation that we have eyes to see everything that they're doing. And of course we have you know all the all the um, privacy settings and you know, screen time locks and all that good stuff as um, parents of teenagers. And so that is an example of um, it not being a boundary violation because, the expectations are very clear. The expectation is of zero privacy. And so when we pick up that those phones and start going through text messages, our kids aren't happy about it. It's not like they're really excited to turn those phones over, but they also recognize that those are the rules of engagement. Those are, you know, terms and conditions apply to the use of the phones and that That's part of the boundary, is that we get to check those phones whenever we want. And so hopefully that example kind of helps you to see some of the differences and and how boundaries can be set up. So um, let's do some more examples of boundaries and recognizing when they may be violated. So when you say yes, but you mean no. So no one else has violated your boundary you have violated your boundary you should have said no but you said yes so you've violated your own boundary and you have no one to blame except yourself so that's something to pay attention to And what happens in those times is you might start to feel resentment or anger because, right, you probably said yes and you should have said no. And it's easy to get resentful towards the other person that asked you, that made the request, but this is where you've got to take responsibility for your own stuff because you said yes. And so part of owning And taking responsibility for yourself is to not blame the other person, to not throw resentment on the other person, but to actually take responsibility. Hey, no, I violated my own boundary. I can't, I'm not gonna put that on the other person. Like, of course, the person just made a request of me. And, you know, that's not unreasonable that the person made a request of me. And it's on me to say no if I can't do it. So you've got to watch your resentment. You've got to pay attention to that because it's a red flag um, around your boundaries. So whether someone else has violated your boundary or whether you yourself have violated your boundary. And so really pay attention to that and make sure you're not projecting your anger or your resentment towards someone else, where honestly, you need to be looking at yourself and taking responsibility for that. So you might recognize that you need a boundary when you notice something that upsets you. Okay. So sometimes we you know, we say yes to something and it's not until we're in the situation that we recognize like, oh, I should have set a boundary here. And so we want to learn as quickly as we can. So is it the same person that tends to cross this invisible line? So if you notice these same emotional reactions with this same person, start to pay attention to the pattern, start to pay attention to your emotional reactions, because that will help you to know when you need to set a boundary or when a boundary has maybe been violated. Because when you're in relationship with people who tend to, you know, be very respectful of boundaries, it just doesn't come up. But what you might notice is, gosh, every time I'm with this person, something comes up for me. I feel really frustrated or I feel like, you know, gosh, like, This person's kind of disrespectful to me. And so start to pay attention to those patterns and get curious about your emotional experience in that situation because it will probably call you to um, what might be that boundary violation that's happening and what is the boundary that you need to assert with that person. So are there certain subjects that tend to get you? So sometimes it's a certain person. Sometimes it's a specific subject that really, you know, gets under your skin that can, that um, you need to get curious about. And so pay attention. Um, many people don't realize what their boundaries are or what their boundaries need to be until the boundary's been crossed. And so this is where curiosity is super important because, um, and self-awareness, because it's part of how you figure out what your boundaries need to be. Okay. And then solution two, let's help you determine the kind of boundary that needs to be set. So of course I talked about the different kinds of boundaries briefly, but now let's just talk a little bit more specifically. So first of all, physical. So we think about personal space, touching, that's a big one for people. So don't ever make assumptions that touching someone is okay. And, you know, as a trauma specialist That is a big no-no. I mean, do not ever assume touching someone. You might, it is okay, right? You might think it's totally benign, right? Even like a pat on the hand, a pat on the shoulder. Just do not ever assume that that's okay. So who you can touch, um, who can touch you, how, where, when, that sort of thing, you get to decide. You're in charge of you, um, emotional boundaries. So separate your emotions from those of others. So, right, where do I end and where do you begin? So this is where you want to give yourself permission to have your own feelings and not to take on the burdens of other people's feelings. Whew. This one can be really challenging for women who tend to see themselves as nurturers and who may be self-sacrificing, right? And this can be so true for so many women, right? Culturally for so many women, we have been taught to be the nurturers, to be self-sacrificing, to really pay attention to the emotional experience of those around us and to anticipate needs and to respond, right? But that often comes at a cost to our own needs, And so you've got to pay attention to that. And so what I would say is you do not need to sacrifice your nurturing self in order to attend to your needs as well, right? That that is a skill development that you can continue to be just as nurturing and aware of those around you. But you, but we want you to be curious and self-aware of your own needs. And sometimes that means that you need to prioritize your own needs and respect that others can take care of themselves, especially other adults, right? Now, if you are nurturing a child, obviously, you will sometimes need to put your needs on the back burner. And that is um, the reality of... You know, being a nurturer. But this is where we really want to pay attention to this idea that um, showing up for others and showing up for yourself does not have to be mutually exclusive. So it's not an either or proposition. We also don't want you to define yourself by your job, marital status, or your family alone. So your identity shouldn't be wholly consumed by those roles. So of course, of course, those are roles that are part of your identity, but just that. And so the way that I like to think about it is that there are so many aspects um, that make up your identity, right? Like you're a multifaceted individual. And isn't that awesome? Like that's so incredible. And so you have roles that you that you function in. And so think in terms of what role am I functioning in right now? And that this role is an important part of my identity, but it does not define me. And you don't ever want to be defined wholly by one role. Because when you do that, you run the risk of having to cut off other important aspects of your identity, or you you run the risk of having to silence other important aspects of your identity. And we don't want you to do that. We want you to make room for all the important aspects of your identity. So I want you to think in terms of what role am I functioning in right now? And, you know, having some separation in those roles can actually, you know, simplify simplify thinking and help you as you move through your day even. So this idea of knowing where you end and I begin, having this separate identity, so you are your own person, being aware of your feelings, being aware of your choices, being aware of your responsibilities, refusing to take responsibility for what is not yours. That's such a big one. This is so important, especially for mothers who tend to take on a ton of guilt for the choices of their children. Right so so the choices of your children are not a reflection of your mothering. You've got to have a boundary there. Your children have agency. Your children will make their own choices. And so, you know, you're also not responsibility responsible for others' feelings. You're not you um you've got to have some some boundaries there. and women especially take responsibility for the happiness of their family, the happiness of their teams all the time. And let's just take a step back. like you don't have that much power. you don't have that much control. like there's no way I mean it's ridiculous to think that you could have that kind of power that you could make everyone within your sphere happy. It's just, it's an unreasonable expectation. So what I will say is you're responsible for how you treat others, but you're not responsible for their feelings about that. You're not responsible for their choices, So mentally, let's think about those mental boundaries. So thoughts, values, opinions, and beliefs. So you might decide that there are some conversations that are off limits because they're just not Productive for you, so um, I've maybe mentioned this before, but I have a very strict boundary with my guy friend that there is absolutely no finance talk before bedtime because he'll talk about finances before bedtime and then he will not off to sleep like no one's business and then I will lay in bed and I will be ruminating or I'll be doing calculations in my head and I will not sleep all night and that like that's not okay because I need my sleep and so I figured that out um, several years ago right you you figure out what your boundaries need to be because you run into problems and so um, I've just had to say like no like we can talk talk about finances earlier in the evening or, you know, like during the day or something like that, but I cannot talk about finances before bedtime because I will not be able to sleep if that happens. Um, another boundary that a lot of families have these days includes, um, no uh, politics talks with certain family members. So um, that might be a nice guideline um, for you. So um, thinking about what those boundaries might need to be for you. Okay. And then solution three. So I want to give you four steps to setting a boundary. So of course, this also comes from Maya Angelou. She's got all the best quotes, right? You teach people how to treat you. So if you don't respect your own boundaries, others will not respect them either, because we can't assume that others know what we need and we can't expect others to hold our boundaries that we ourselves will not hold. It's not their job, it's our job, right? It's our responsibility to set our own boundaries. So step one, I want you to define or identify the desired boundary. Um, And step two, communicate. So say what you need to say. So say what you need to say about the boundary, And so, right. So an example of that is step one, define, identify the desired boundary. So like for me with my husband, I'm like, I cannot talk about finances before bedtime. Right. And step two is communicating, say what you need to say. Like you fall asleep and you're fine. It's no big deal, but I ruminate and I won't, I can't sleep after we have those conversations. So like, it's a no go. You cannot do that to me anymore. And not like he's trying to do it to me, but you know, it's just, He doesn't realize, and I didn't realize it. And then step three, keep it simple. Don't over explain. And this is the the step in setting boundaries where people get in trouble. And this is often because they feel guilty about setting a boundary. They feel like, oh, like I don't deserve to set a boundary. Or if I explain it just right, then the other person will understand or they'll support me. And you know what? Like they might not like they might not agree with you. They might not like it. And so just keep it simple. Don't overexplain it. And you know, if the KISS acronym is helpful, it's not always the most friendly. But KISS is keep it simple, stupid. Um, just keep it simple. So don't overexplain, right? So maybe I'd just be like, it's just not helpful for me to talk about finances before bedtime. I'm happy to talk about them earlier in the evening, but not right before bedtime. Okay, so you don't owe anyone an explanation. So remember that um, boundaries are about your needs and your psychological safety in the relationship. So if you need the other person to perfectly understand and agree with your boundary, you will never. set a boundary so it's not uncommon for others to be unhappy about boundary setting because anytime you're setting a boundary you're disrupting the system now the boundary example that i have for you about the finances right like that's a pretty small boundary like that's not a big deal so my husband's like okay whatever (laughs) right like he didn't care at all but um with bigger boundaries, it's not uncommon for those to disrupt the system. And that's what I'll talk about next. Um, but if you have to over explain um, or if you have to have the other person perfectly understand, you'll never set the boundary. Okay, so then step four is to set consequences. So say why it's important. So declare the consequences that you're willing to follow through on. Otherwise, the consequence is pointless. So, um, you know, the parental threat, I've heard this before, the parental threat to sell the child to gypsies is hollow at best. And by the way, like, that's not very respectful. Um, So, you know, you've got to set a consequence that you're willing to follow through on. Otherwise the consequence is pointless. Of course, like in my example, like I didn't really need a consequence. It was a very small, um, boundary, but typically with, with boundaries, like there needs to be a consequence. So, right. Like if you had an employee that was consistently late, Um, You would need to set a consequence, but it needs to be a consequence that you actually are willing and able to follow through on. So you might be willing, but are you able to follow through on it? So both of those um, parameters need to be in place. Um, And so I will reference to a positive psychology um, article that talks um, a little bit more about those four steps for setting um, a boundary. Okay. And then solution four, prepare for fallout once you set a boundary. So like I just mentioned, boundaries shift how a system functions and it really shifts the dynamics of how the relationship functions. And so parts or, you know, people within that system will not necessarily like the changes that come with setting the boundary. So you have to prepare for fallout. You know, sometimes the boundaries are good, um, meaning other people will be like, yeah, that's no big deal. Um, But other times, like people will not like the boundaries, but ultimately boundaries make the relationship safer boundaries are an effort towards a more functional relationship. But you just need to know going in, people aren't always going to like boundary setting because it disrupts the system. And so um, boundaries are about your needs in the relationship. And so it's not uncommon for the other person to not be super thrilled about them. Because remember what I said, every system is perfectly designed for the results it's getting. So your ineffective boundaries or your lack of boundaries to this point has been perfectly designed for the results the other person has maybe been getting. So they might not like your new boundary, right? Because they're like, oh, you mean I can't manipulate you anymore? Or you mean I can't keep coming to meetings late Um, every, every day, right? And I'm like, I'm not trying to say that people have these nefarious plans that they're hatching, and they have all this, this conscious awareness about um, these boundary violations. Um, But what I am saying is that boundaries and accountability are hard <laughs> for people um and that's just that just tends to be human nature and so when you shift boundaries it's going to be challenging and so most of most of this is not happening in a lot of conscious awareness but don't expect them to throw you a parade when you set a boundary so even if they understand and support you, they still might not be happy about it. So anytime you disrupt a system by changing the boundaries, there are bound to be waves. So just think about that: systems like a pond, you're dis- you're changing that ecosystem. There are going to be waves. So you want to stick to the simple boundary. Don't overexplain. explain. You need to tolerate your distress the guilt you might feel, your desire for them to understand. You don't need them to understand, really. Understanding is kind of overrated. Um, really, what you need to do is just assert the boundary. Stick to the boundary. Get out of dodge, right? So just set the boundary. Assert the boundary. Don't overexplain. Move on. Um, You'll likely need to repeat that boundary and sometimes many times over. And you just need to get used to it. Anyone who has spent any amount of time with a toddler knows this. How many times do you have to repeat a boundary? And you just have to be the calm, repeating influence of the boundary over and over and over again. So you need to learn to repeat the boundary and you can do it. And eventually the other person will get the message. So you may need to consider strengthening your boundary or making it more rigid as needed if your boundary is not being respected. And this is the last word about it. You are entitled to your boundary and the other person is entitled to not respect it. So you both have your choice there and ultimately you maybe you choose to no longer be in a relationship together, but you both have your choice. And And time will tell when you set a boundary and, right, it either leads to, okay, this relationship is becoming more functional or all hell's breaking loose. And, you know, there's, you know, it's getting more difficult to interact with this individual. Then it's like, okay, something, something more needs to happen. And whether that's like, okay, we got to, like, we got to take this to the next level because these are serious concerns. It's impacting our work, you know, it's impacting the team. So be it. Boundaries are still always the answer. <laughs> boundaries make relationships more functional. Boundaries are the foundation for psychological safety. And so a lot of times when people first start on the work of boundaries, they're like, I've set a boundary, but it doesn't work. Or I felt like it made it worse. And it will feel that way in the beginning but I'm telling you, <laughs> boundaries are the answer when it comes to more effective relationships and psychological safety in marriages, in families, in teams, right? When any any relationship, any team, any group. And so, um, time will tell if if the boundary is sufficient for productive work to be able to proceed and if not then you have to start looking at serious questions in terms of can we continue to work productively together and those are hard questions and a lot of people don't want to look at those questions and so they say well I can just live with this but for how long because here's the thing it really undermines culture it really undermines um, productivity efficiency and doing your best work and it corrodes culture from the inside from the inside out and so it's a really high cost to pay so that that is the last word on on boundaries. So I hope that this has been helpful in terms of helping you understand what boundaries are, why they are so very important, and how you can start to set boundaries and certainly strengthen the boundaries. I'm sure you all have really great boundaries, but kind of getting into the details of how to strengthen those boundaries and how to recognize when your boundaries have been violated and how you can Um, strengthen those boundaries so that you can pursue what matters. So make sure you head on over to my website to check out the show notes with the resources for this episode at www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash 67. One more time, www.drmelissasmith.com forward slash episode dash 67. I'm Dr. Melissa Smith. Remember love and work, work and love. That's all there is. Until next time, take good care.